My name is Stuart Alsop, and this is my podcast, Crazy Wisdom, where we talk about how meditation, yoga, and mindfulness allow us to tap into creative states of flow. You're about to listen to the story of a man, Jeremy Riney, who has gone from multimillionaire entrepreneur to orthodox monk to resident at a psychiatric ward in the space of only a few years. If you have never had a spiritual crisis, much of what you're about to hear might sound strange. However, if you've plumbed the depths of your own psyche, then you might recognize what we discuss. Wherever you are coming from, I urge you to keep an open mind and not let first impressions form long-lasting judgments. Truth is often stranger than fiction. So my name is Jeremy Riney. I'm an entrepreneur a couple of times over. I started my first company when I was 12, but that really didn't count. It was a baseball card shop in my garage. Um, and then I went to college and started several companies in college. I started a used textbook online company and a, an event ticketing company. Um, I had a little uh, had some snacks and stuff in my room that I would sell. So I was always looking to make a little buck here or there. So I had a knack for it. And then in college, I started a company called Music America, which was a music publishing recording company. Mm-hmm and record label um and then i started that with a bunch of buddies you know we had no idea what we were doing oh, um, what year was it? this was 2002 mm-hmm. so um, and i did that we launched in 2002 and it was like my i was halfway through college i think it was a couple of years of college and then in about 2004 i graduated and i lost everybody that started with me because they all graduated and went elsewhere but i still wanted to do the music america it was the name of the, the company the umbrella company for the publishing and the, the other aspects of the company and then i kept on doing that against all odds i ran up about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in credit card debt because i was actually hiring people that wanted full salaries and i didn't know any better and um i kept on getting offers and this was in 2004 or five six i mean this was the heyday of just real cheap debt and that kind of carried over to credit cards and it got so bad that the washington post reached out to me and wanted to do an article about how not to start a company basically like don't start it with credit cards because all my credit cards at some point became due i mean it, it was in 2004 i took on all the debt in 2006 i was you know 30% interest mm. and about a hundred and something thousand. Mm. Then I came up with the idea for a music company mm. um, called Project Playlist. Mm. It was a way you can search for music online and then take that music and put it on MySpace mm. in a MySpace player. Uh-huh. And this was before, you know, MySpace had them like, the they had, yeah, the, yeah, they had yeah. a single track you can put on the playlist uh-huh. or on your, uh, on your MySpace page, but, but you created a whole playlist. A whole playlist. Uh-huh. You put a hundred songs, and then it was eventually like two hundred songs. Yeah. And so that thing, within probably two weeks, had a million users. Um, yeah, and I was making, you know, I paid off my debt in about a month. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I know, yeah. yeah. And so I literally got to the brink, uh-huh. and then somehow, some way, um, it just resolved just, itself. Yeah. And then I. At that point, I had a team of people working on Music America because we had actually developed a couple of products that were sort of working, mm. and I had to tell them, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore because mm. this is you guys are, you know, pu- pushing a boulder up a hill, mm. 
and there's no end in sight. I mean, you don't know how big that hill is, and it's I've got something here that's working. Mm. Um, and I tried to convince them that it wasn't going to work, and they didn't want to hear it. And so I just said, fine, I'll, I'll let you guys continue with it. And it mm. never did work, uh, but playlists worked phenomenally. I mean, mm. um, I was a multimillionaire, you know, by the time I was 25 or something. Mm. Um, and I was doing all the parties. I mean, I we had you know, a whole bunch of really good connections in the music industry. So I was mm. going to concerts mm. and hanging out with actors and actresses and mm. Um, partying in New York and mm-hmm. Vegas and Aspen and mm-hmm. LA and all this kind of stuff and um, it was the most fulfilling thing in the world and then all of a sudden it became and I realized man this is not empty. fulfilling this yeah. is totally empty yeah. and what I realized yeah. was I saw my mentors and they were more unhappy than I was mm-hmm. and they had a lot more money mm-hmm. and so I realized this is not the path I want to take. Mm. And so in 2009, I was in the process of converting because I grew up Baptist and mm. Christian Baptist, and I never found that spirituality. I mean, it didn't really seem like there was much spirituality there at all. It mm. was, you know, a set of beliefs that you ascribed to, and then you were saved, and then that was mm. kind of it. Mm-hmm. There was no, like, practical, mm. you know, yeah. how do you actually change your life? Mm. And I love that about orthodoxy because orthodoxy is, I mean, Greek Orthodox, it was the original church. I mean, uh-huh. The, uh-huh. In, in that area, there was, um, you know, the Antiochian church and the Greek church and, you know, all those churches that sprouted up after Jesus uh, died and rose again. And um, I saw, but I saw their spirituality and it was totally different than any Western Christianity. Where did you first experience that? Where did I first experience that? Oh, when I went to college, I went to Biola University. It was a Protestant college, but a whole bunch of people all at once in the honors program at Biola um, learned enough about church history and the fact that we were we were so far in the Western, you know, Protestant mindset. We were so far from the original intent of everything that um, it kind of shocked me when I saw that. I'm like, man. Either we are totally wrong, or the Orthodox Church is totally wrong. Like mm-hmm. somebody's right, and then just looking back, it was clear that the two thousand year old church mm-hmm. is probably a lot, mm-hmm. you know, more in touch with the true nature of Christianity than than the newer versions and flavors. I mean, Baptists can probably trace their roots maybe a hundred years, yeah. um, but that's an offshoot of Protestantism, which is an offshoot of Catholicism. Yeah. which is Catholicism yeah. itself is an offshoot of orthodoxy. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you see all those splits, you're like, okay, well, something's definitely not there. Yeah. So, but when was the first experience that you, you, did you like when you found that orthodox Christianity uh, lit something in you? Yeah. Or was it, did you go to a church or did you? Yeah. Go to, uh, so my roommate, uh, Lewis, who went to school with me and we were roommates after college, um, he was, it's really funny because he had an icon of Mary and Jesus, and we were making fun of him because that's you don't have that as a Protestant. Yeah, it's yeah. it's absurd. And so he was like bowing to Mary, and we're just laughing at him. Um, and then, then he he didn't like he he stood up to it. He's like, no, no, no. But it's hard when you have like five guys or six guys in the house that are really? all like really Protestant. Um, but eventually, I just I was curious, and I because I was very unhappy with my spirituality because I'm like deeply spiritual mm-hmm. um, 
but I had no outlet for it. And so I'd find the outlet in money, you know, and mm. find the outlet in being creative in some mm. um, business venture because mm -hmm. that was how I would like channel, channel my energy. Yeah. yeah. Cause I had a lot of energy that could be used for uh -huh. something. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I finally just like, okay, explain to me this thing about the icons. He's like, well, we believe that amongst us right now are all the saints who have passed on, mm. including Jesus and Mary and literally everybody that's passed on is in this realm. We just can't see them. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, well, that sounds like bullshit. Uh -huh. And, you know, and he said, no, 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 it's, it's just what has always been believed. Um, and so I'm like, well, I'll be willing to go with you one time to a service just to like see you know, how different it is in the, I was going to a church called Rock Harbor, which I call it the OC Christian, uh -huh. um, Orange County Christian. I used to love those churches. I mean, they were, you know, you go in, there was a rock concert, and then you had like a really compelling pastor, and then you had donuts and coffee, and you left. And then you came back next Sunday. So it was not like a, you didn't actually embody any spirituality uh -huh. during the week, or at least I didn't. I mean, I'm not going to judge other people there because they're, they're a good people there yeah. by all means yeah um but i went to the church and i walked in i'm like this is unlike anything i've ever seen in my entire life um i mean i i never even been into a catholic church because catholics are you know you just don't talk to catholics if you're a baptist yeah. or a protestant like it's just very tribal mm. almost mm. and so anything that smells of catholicism and is immediately at all or, or orthodox the orthodox church did it sparks some sort of negative reaction or no there was nothing negative about it because by that time when i walked into the service we had talked probably several okay. hours yeah. and he'd explained enough yeah. that i and i was open-minded enough um and looking mm. and that's why if i wasn't looking if i was just like humoring him mm. i would have said this is mm. absurd mm. and then walked not walked out i would have stayed but mm. um but because i was looking and because i was open to it um i was really open to it and so i was completely moved when you walk in the incense yes. filling the air and the prostrations the bowing the the crossing the kissing each other mm -hmm. like it's all like a very embodied mm. spirituality and that was something that in you know we would go sit in the church yeah. pews and just sit there and then maybe stand up for a song or two and then down but this you know orthodoxy was just um like it was a, a full expression of spirituality because uh -huh. you'd have practices during the week you'd have to do you'd have to do certain prayers and you'd have to um you know perform certain rituals um and including confession and communion and just all those concepts are lost you know because yeah. confession is like well you, you confess to god like what's the point but the point is to like tell another human being and like get someone else involved in your life uh -huh. you know because you can get caught in your own mind mm. and then your own mind starts accusing you of the things you've done. Mm. But if you like let it go and just tell somebody about mm. it, it was a huge burden lifted. Even if they can't help you with it, you just say, Hey, like I'm having trouble with this or I'm having trouble with that. Just like getting it out there. So some of these like practical things that I dismiss completely, mm. um, mm. just came to me and I'm like, wow, these actually, some of these make perfect sense. Mm but it was an unlearning process. Like I had to unlearn almost anything and everything that I'd learned at Biola and my Bible college and everything I'd learned growing up mm -hmm. because like the concept of heaven and hell, the concept of 
what it takes to actually get to heaven, the kingdom of God, like all these concepts mm -hmm. um, that they had um, in Protestantism was just not the same. Mm -hmm. And so it was a whole bunch of unlearning. Mm -hmm. But then by the time I had unlearned everything and was ready for to learn orthodoxy, it was, to me, it was a natural fit for my kind of personality because I like, like the highest form of orthodoxy is becoming a contemplative monk, mm -hmm. you know, someone mm -hmm. who goes and sits in the wilderness, mm. in a cave, mm. and welcomes people to want to learn how to be spiritual. And it's a very, e I mean, it's, a, it's an Eastern religion. Mm. I mean, it, uh, it came from the East, and so it has a lot of aspects of Taoism and a lot of aspects of Hindu, um, not not in the, you know, in the, the concepts and the, in the, in the very much in the practices. Yeah. So, uh -huh. um, yeah, so I just found, I found it refreshing because I was already, looking to the East for kind of some solutions uh -huh. to my lack of feeling any kind of spiritual connection. And, um, and that just felt like home because I'd grown up Christian and it just seemed like a quite natural fit. And mm -hmm. so that was 2009 when I converted. And so you converted and you became a monk or, or I did become a monk almost immediately because I saw, because the reason I was converting into orthodoxy is because, you know, I was disenfranchised with, um, my religion would also disenfranchise with the, the love of money that I had, you know, and the, and the, the business I was in, um, because we were being sued by the record labels at that time. And, you know, we were getting yelled at all the time. And I realized, you know, this is just not, you know, even if this makes me several more million bucks, it's just not, it's not worth the time. And yeah. so, yeah, I decided at that point to at least investigate becoming a monk. And, I traveled around the world and visited every Orthodox monastery I possibly could get my hands on. I went to the Christian Tibet, Mount Athos, um, and stayed there. There's probably 2,000 monks that live on the, on the oh, island. Oh, this is the island that the only men can go on. Right? Only men, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah only Orthodox men, yeah. Uh -huh. So we had, to get a, we had to get permission from our bishop and our priest huh. and get on a waiting list. Huh. Um, I mean, it's ex extremely exclusive, but they don't want anything to distract from their way of life. Yeah, and like I said, they, their goal is to sit in silence called the mountain of silence. And is, is it silent? Is it's, it, is it totally silent? No, no, no. There's there, they still have the practices of the church services, but, yeah. um, overall their goal is silence. Mm -hmm. And so they, it's not totally silent. There are some, what they call skeets, which is like groups of individual monks that go off into the wilderness mm -hmm. and like set up their own little thing where they live off the land. Mm -hmm. And they can have their own rule where they say, okay, at this ski, we're not going to talk. Mm -hmm. And then we'll go to the main monastery for Sunday service, but then the rest of the week, we just sit in silence oh. and contemplate and pray and mm -hmm. meditate and um, just do manual labor, mm -hmm. which is good for the soul. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so when I was there, I'm like, man, this feels like home. Because mm -hmm. it, it was just a very simple way of life, but it felt very fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And so I'd ex experienced two extremes, like flying private to Aspen to party <laughs> uh -huh. versus, you know, sitting in a monastery without any electricity or running water. I'm like, actually, this monastery thing was more fulfilling. Yeah. And by that time, I'd gotten deeply spiritual um, and, like, awakened in me, like, a spirituality that I didn't know existed. Mm -hmm. um, because you have to actually, like, work at it, mm -hmm. you know, open up yourself to your spirit and open up yourself to that connection because there's a severe disconnect between the, the mind, the body, and the soul. Like everything right now is most people, the soul is somewhere. Yeah. It's not anywhere near their body. The mind is completely separated from the body. Yeah. 
and these are some of the things I learned in meditation is, you know, you have to bring your mind into your body mm. and then back up and like you have to just feel that connection completely and realize that the separation is a false one because yes. every single you can never say okay this is the mind here it is in this little spot and right. then it has no connection to the outside because you have you know you have the brain which connects to the spinal cord which then goes out into the skin and brings in like and then you know then you have food that comes in yeah. and the food it goes to the brain so it's like there is no way to separate what is the brain and Correct. Yeah. And it wasn't, and I remember doing one practice where um, I laid down and I intentionally went like toes, every single toe, foot, every single bone in the, in the leg. You and placed all, your awareness in all, in all those places. Yeah. And I remember losing my shit. Mm -hmm. I cried mm -hmm. dramatically. And, and it was a weird, very weird thing when I realized that my body had stuff to tell me, mm. and I wasn't listening. Ignore, yeah. I was ignoring I it, and it was, yeah, it was a very strange feeling. It's almost like, I'm sorry. Like, I was crying over being sorry that I ignored my body. And now it's it's almost absurd that I thought that my body was stupid, that I had no intelligence of itself. Yeah. Because I was, I mean, this Western culture, we think we, think we are. I mean, yeah. I, I think, therefore, I am. I mean, that yeah. is a root Money is the root of all evil, but that's pretty much up there. With, yeah. You know, that's not. You are because you are. You don't. You not. You don't think. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. thinking is a is a byproduct of existence. Yeah. Exactly. And most people yeah. think it's 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 the only yeah. part of existence. And so that's that's what I want to ask you next is is because you came back you came back into the in, into yeah. Silicon Valley right yeah and, and and how did how was that first transition? Well, so after Mount Athos, I went um, and became. I had to give away all my possessions oh. and then go to the monastery in Manton, which is in Northern California, by Redding, in the foothills of Lassen National um, uh, Park. And I lived there for about a year and a half. But what, ha what brought me back to Silicon Valley was um, I got an urgent call from my lawyer at the monastery saying, hey, you got to come back. Because like, I left the mon I left the company in pretty good hands. I, the former CEO of um, MTV was the CEO of, Gu of Guidebox, of uh, Playlist. Mm -hmm. Um, we had a great board, like, you know, several real quality guys. It just, it was a lost cause. And there's no no fault of any of the people that were trying to make it work. It was just a lost cause. Because yeah. the labels, the record labels wanted us dead, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was, um, it was it, it was falling apart. And they and because I couldn't get rid of my shares of stock, um, because the, the shares of stock were worthless, and not only worthless, there was a couple billion dollar lawsuit against the company and so nobody even if I wanted to give that to somebody nobody would take you know a billion dollar liability so I had to come back in 2010 and take it into bankruptcy and then see it close down um, but that took until 2012 and so I tried from, to from which from what when did you come back from Mount Athos uh, I, I went back. I was only in Mount Athos for about a week. Uh -huh, but then you went to the monastery. Oh, mon yeah, and I lived in the monastery in Manton uh -huh. for about a year and a half. And when was that? When did you? It was two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Oh wow! So it took two years to, to wind down the. the well, then you know, the company started winding down in two thousand ten. Oh, okay. And it took two years until twelve to we were able to finally sell off the assets out of bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. Just a long process. But I I traveled back and forth um, during that time. Um, where I would go for like a week to the monastery and come back for a mm -hmm. month, and then because I still wanted to be a monk, mm -hmm. but um, 
it was finally in 2012 where I'm like, it's just not, it doesn't feel right for me to be a monk. There's something I have to do, as we call it, back in the world. There's something, mm-hmm. it just feels like I have to do something. In fact, I'd come up with an idea for my current company, Guidebox, wow. at the monastery. And I'm like, this is too good. I have to do it. Yeah. And it was funny because my, uh, my monk friend, Father Nectarios, he said, you know, most guys dream of, you know, eating steak uh-huh. at the monastery because we can't, we're a vegetarian there. Uh-huh. But, and he's like, like, Jeremy's the only one I've ever heard of that didn't even care about steak, but cared, like, yeah. fantasized about starting companies. I think there's one other monk. Uh, who did that? I think uh, Andy Puttycomb. Oh yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Headspace, yeah. Headspace, yeah. I love Headspace, yeah. by the way. That's yeah. what really got me into meditation. Uh-huh. Was following the. When did you When did you start meditating? I started meditating. I mean, we at the monasteries we we meditate, but it's a different kind of meditation. It's a mantra based meditation. Uh-huh. Is how I would explain it. I mean, this Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's literally you say that over and over and over and over and over again, uh-huh. and that's the concept that St. Paul would say about, you know, pray without ceasing mm. um, is, and mm. is is their interpretation of it because mm. what happens is it calms your mind completely mm-hmm. and it stops your yourself from thinking. So this is all mantra-based. Mm-hmm. We just believe that there's a power in the name of Jesus uh-huh. that's beyond just a simple mantra. Yeah. Um, but the mantra helps the mind calm down and then like, it's almost like good ideas float above that. Uh-huh. And so as uh-huh. as I'm praying, like even today, like I, I try to constantly say that just under my breath. And then like, honestly, creative ideas will pop above it. And I'm like, wow, that's, but it's weird because it's not coming from some recursive thinking that I'm doing because I'm saying the mantra yeah. constantly yeah. in my head yeah. and then good ideas will pop up. But that's the crazy thing is that the ideas I'm getting now that I'm doing this meditation like all the time are of a totally different quality and they're like change the world do good kind of ideas Uh in fact I'm running a mayor for San Francisco Mm. who is a homeless guy across the street from me Uh because I'm like what better person to solve the homeless problem than someone who's been homeless for 16 years has seen every bullshit thing that the city has done to him and all the I mean his ideas now are just I mean, you would never recognize this guy if you saw him a month ago when I first met him to, today. But it was just this, like these ideas would come. So I want to I want to talk about that a little bit more. You're running him for mayor. What was that? You're running him for mayor? Yes. So you... you I'm not running. He's running for mayor, but I encouraged him to do it. And okay. I'm going to make sure it gets done. Very cool. Yes. His so, name is Memphis Moore. Uh-huh. And he's going to have to be a writing candidate because we didn't get it done. I mean, uh, it, was, it was December 2017, but they said that we can write him in. And he, I was campaigning with him today, and he he got he got commitments from several police officers huh. that have know him, several firemen, yeah. um, you know, so all the homeless people, and it, and all you have to do to be to vote in San Francisco is be here 30 days. You don't even have to have a permanent residency. Mm. And so literally every single homeless person and every single new disenfranchised person could vote in this election. Are you going to do a crowdfunding campaign? or can you do No idea. Yeah. Uh-huh. These ideas, I'm not worried about these ideas. Uh-huh. Like my goal right now is day by day, uh-huh. and it's yeah. been working very well yeah. because I used to plan yeah. months and months in advance, and then I, I was telling my friend that, you know, sometimes I'll have an idea and I'm like, I start getting stressed out about the idea because I can see into the future that I'm going to do it. And I'm like, well, 
you know, then I have to do this and then this, and then I get stressed. I'm like, but it's just but an idea. And that, and that thinking mind that thinks that it, it can go and plan for yeah. all the eventualities is, is, is bogus because there's no way to actually incorporate all the, all the things. that. Can but that was my problem is I thought I could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was so smart that I could. And that's was, you know, what and this goes against all the kind of late, late the last seven years in Silicon Valley, uh, business insider type of articles where you have to improve yourself or you have to plan better. Or you have to yeah. do all these things, this whole, this whole, uh, it, it's, it's all goes back to the, what you said about, uh, Descartes, Descartes of like, I think therefore I am yeah. this planning mind. That's me. That's yeah. the thing that I am. Yeah. I'm going to be able to predict the future. I'm going to be able to do all the things I need to do in order to avoid all these problems, and it's all—it's yeah. all a mirage. It's all an illusion. Exactly. My my priest said that man tries to be God uh, uh, without God, and that's exactly what you're saying. I would say that our God is our ego. Uh, you know, and uh, I hmm. I would say that we have to destroy the God of our ego, and my ego was destroyed without me wanting it to be destroyed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as you yeah. know, and yeah. we can talk about, yeah. but it was destroyed by force. And uh, it was literally the most freeing thing when I woke up from all this. In the experience, uh, but uh, so you say it was freeing afterwards. How did that experience itself feel like? Or was so it the psychotic break? Yeah. 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 So we can talk about that. Um, but let's first okay. try to bring it to, to that point. So 2012, I started Guidebox and it was, it's, it's an, up until today, it's still running and it's, you know, working very well. It pays me very well. But, you know, about six months ago, I decided that it was better off to not try to like, it felt like, again, we were pushing a boulder up a hill. It just didn't, feel, it was working. It doesn't feel like it was worth the effort because we would put a lot of effort and get a little bit more growth and then a lot of effort, and just a little bit more growth. And it just simply, and it wasn't a world changing or meaningful thing and my 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 buddy steve who worked for me he said you know it's it you this this exists to make money mm-hmm. and that's that shocked me as i'm like mm-hmm. you know what that's exactly right mm-hmm. it this exists to make money yeah. like there's no other purpose for this to exist and i started look, thinking about it I'm like wait a second every single company that i've come across recently mm-hmm. all these new startups and all these new apps I mean, I have a hard time finding any good purpose for these things. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so I'm like, man, Silicon Valley is mm-hmm. just is completely backwards. Yeah. If if we think we're doing some good and we're changing the world, I mean, that's total BS, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. I mean, there's not a lot of change uh-huh. for the good that's coming out of yeah. Silicon Valley. There could be. I, yeah, I think there, I think there is good. Uh, there, but there are also a lot of unintended consequences uh, yeah. and ones that we can't foresee, and that's the nature of, of creation: is that once you create something, you can't really, you can't, of really you can't really control the outcomes of that of course. creation. Um, Especially if it starts affecting, like that's what happened with playlist. I launched it out there, and all of a sudden we had a million users, and it was making a lot of money. I'm like, I never even thought about the licensing issues. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't. Yeah. I was just a naive kid. Uh, and just, but it got out there, and you, it's like, what do you do? Shut it down, and like say, come back later while we try to figure this out. Uh, like it's just. I was too busy trying to keep the servers running, so I agree with you 100% mm-hmm. that once things are out there, it's it's really hard to undo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't until July of this year where I um, told my uh, team, I'm like, we're going to ramp down, we're going to ramp this into maintenance mode, mm-hmm. we're going to maintain the contracts indefinitely, um, and then just pay out the profits to the shareholders. Mm-hmm. And that was a very traumatic time because everybody wasn't seeing with what I was seeing. Yeah that this was a lost cause, not a lost cause, but it was the effort 
did not match the return. Mm -hmm. So I ramped it down and it, it got to profitability, but then it left me with about an hour of work a day mm. and a lot of free time. Mm. And so this was about six months ago, seven months ago. I decided, you know what, I am tired of this, you know, starting a company, folding a company, starting a company, folding a company, especially ones that don't leave me you know, yeah. satisfied and yeah. fulfilled. Yeah. Um, mm. But I didn't have any like grand idea of what I would do. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to just seek enlightenment then. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Um, and I had not, after I left the monastery in Manton, I had not gone to church mm. or anything. I had completely separated from orthodoxy um, completely until, I mean, through that whole time until, until about a month ago, honestly. Mm. So the six months ago, when I said I'm going to seek enlightenment, I had filled my head with a lot of, you know, Buddhist practices and, you know, I was trying to do some, you know, body um, meditation and just trying to a lot of different things. Cause again, I, you know, I, I found what I liked in orthodoxy, but it still didn't, something still wasn't there. So I was looking elsewhere. I'm like, okay, what, what out there could be, you know, for me. And I found that just mindfulness meditation was a very helpful thing. And so that's why I found headspace and I did a lot of the, the sessions and like I would do like the creativity pack. It was one of the packs I did on Headspace. And some of the sensations I would get when I would like, it, you're supposed to take your attention right to your, your heart chakra mm -hmm. and then like expand it out. Mm -hmm. And I would get like tremendous rushes of like energy. I'm like, I am doing something. Like mm -hmm. something is moving within me um, when I would like, because I'd be really, I mean, when I do something, I go all in and I was going all in with this mindfulness meditation stuff because I had 10 hours a day of free time. Um, and no roommates. And so my, my little apartment was just basically my meditation mm -hmm. center because mm -hmm. I was getting so much out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I saw that something was happening. I, I was able to get my consciousness, like we were talking about earlier, into very specific parts of my body where I would actually feel the sensations of my heart. Like it was very strange that I was like, I am in my heart. Mm. Like, and it's a weird thing to say, but it's, if you've done it, you know, you'd know what I'm talking about. And the same thing, with, like I get my entire attention to my toe mm -hmm. or something like, man. And then I started getting my entire attention like to the corner of the room. Mm. And it, I was able to like swap, swap around my attention. And I would actually like mm. feel like a little swish. Like I was about to, you know, pop out of my body. I mean, mm. this is, mm. it sounds absurd, but this is what's talked about a lot in these traditions about like the observer and the observed and being able to, you know, manipulate your consciousness. And then, I'm like, man, there's something here. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna investigate this for mm. the next however long because I've got all the free time in the world. And so, at that, about that time, I discovered that meditation and marijuana mm. went well Go together. together yeah. um, well, at least I thought. So let me just preface that. And was that were you using a combination of THC and C CBD or only THC? Well, I was just smoking um, vape pens, so I was okay. just doing like so a like Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. yeah, very high THC, yeah. very low CBD. Yeah. Um, I tried some CBD only, and that was effective yeah. too. It like, calms you down mm -hmm. and allows you to get in the in some so good state. Most people don't know, and this is something I found recently, is that is that THC um, can uh, promote uh, uh, mental illness, uh, promote schizophrenia, promote well, of all course. Those things. I found out the hard way. And CBD actually, if taken with a small small amount of THC, is actually an antipsychotic. 
Hmm. Uh, so CBD, as long as the ratios are good, CBD to THC, it can be a very, very powerful medicine. Hmm. But we have bred THC to have more, th- uh, we have bred mar- cannabis to have more THC Correct. Uh, to uh, CBD because of prohibition. Yep. Um, but so uh, if you're going to use cannabis, it's just always good to find a CBD yeah. THC balance. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, I am not going to use, or I'm going to say I'm not going to use anymore because uh-huh. of my experience, but... I'll get to that. that. Mm. So I was using marijuana, and I would find that I would have incredible concentration, mm. um, that mm. I could focus mm-hmm. so intently on an object. So I would start doing focus meditation, mm. and then I would focus so intently that like reality around me would start bending, and like, mm. and the goal is like to try to at all costs focus on the object and not lose your focus. And then I would like lose my sense of self completely, and I would basically my my sense of body would move away and then my entire attention would be in the object on the other side of the room Mm. and i would it was just such a fascinating fascinating Mm. thing and i'm like what is this reality Mm -hmm. you know if if i thought that i was simply my body and my brain and you know i had no idea you can manipulate your consciousness like this i'm like what in the world um and so that started me on just this quest i'm like i'm going to discover reality mm. you know mm. and discover like just just figure out what's what's going on truth, i mean i was yes. just, I, yeah find the truth and my friend was like um there's certain like will to meaning will to like there's different personality types mm. for different people the only one i remember is the will to meaning because that's what i was that's what, and that's what she said and i'm like that is very true like my whole life i've been trying to find meaning mm. And it seems like that's driven me. Um, and so I, for about six months, I would wake up in the morning, smoke a little bit, meditate for several hours, grab lunch, you know, work a little bit on the business, and then smoke in the evening and meditate. So I was doing five hours a day, then six hours a day, then it got up to 12 hours a day of meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happened for about four months. And I was, I thought I was making progress because I would, you know, I would get into these, you know, oneness consciousness kind of states where I could feel my consciousness completely lift out of my body and enter this realm of, you know, something of openness or these were just how I would interpret this. And I would look at some of the spiritual literature that I was reading, some Buddhist literature and some, you know, other spiritual tradition stuff. And I was finding similar things. So I'm like, okay, I must be on some kind of track. Because it doesn't, it's not like what I'm experiencing is totally foreign to any, because mm-hmm. if it was, I would have probably, you know, been concerned. Yeah. Um, but then I was still very unhappy um, because you would go into these states and then you would come out of it and then nothing changed. And so I would be the same person and I would have to be high all the time to be in that state. And so I'm like, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. Why? spirituality can't be a state mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know it has to be like something else mm-hmm. um there has to be some like profound and i remember hearing about the you know the monks at, at mount athos like being able to perform miracles um and you know you hear about the lives of all the saints of the catholic and the orthodox church like uh walking on water floating you know being in two places at once like all these like crazy stories mm-hmm. um and i'm like i want that mm-hmm. you know i like that, not that I want the miracles themselves, but I want, I want to embody the power that does that. Mm-hmm. And you'd read about like the yogis doing these kind of things. So it's in other traditions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, I, I want that, but I couldn't 
I didn't know how to get it. I mean, because I was at the monastery in Manton, and there was like a some internal strife, some conflict at the monastery that kind of broke up the monastery. I mean, it's doing much better now, but there was the time when I was there, which kind of disenfranchised me or um, kind of disillusioned me towards orthodoxy. So I kind of had to block the orthodoxy. I didn't even consider, you know, going back to it. Mm. But I knew, I knew that I could at least, you know, rely on Jesus is what I thought. Okay, well, maybe I can just in these meditation states, like call out Jesus and see, okay, maybe if he exists, he'll come, mm. you know, cause that's what it says. Like if you ask, you'll receive. Mm. Um, and so I just decided towards the last little bit, I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to use marijuana, mm. you know, but my marijuana use right now is not getting me anywhere. Mm. And so this is all I know to do. Uh, I've got this cross right here that I always, for some reason, I always had an innate sense because I would honestly, I'd see like entities or see things when I was really high that I would just brush off as illusions or, you know, hallucinations, but some were so striking that I got scared. So like my kind of little protection was the cross. And so I would hold on to the cross every time I'd meditate just so it feel a little more comfortable to ex like really explore consciousness. I'm like, I, because I really wanted to figure mm. things out. And so I would, but then towards the end, I'm like, okay, well, God, you know, use this, you know, and I said, sanctify this marijuana use is the words I use. It's like, cause I'm going to do it. But if I'm on the wrong path, show me I'm on the wrong path. And so that was about a month and a half ago when I said those words. And then I started meditating again. And then all of a sudden, like my meditation was of different quality. It was of the way I would describe it as what I was doing before was called a spiritual bypass. Mm. And I found this term, one of my counselors, yeah, yes, one, uh -huh. one of my counselors pointed me in this direction. And I'm like, wow, this is exactly what I was doing. So it's, it's, yeah, it's saying that you're on the first floor mm. and then you, you found it. yes. Yeah. And you, you think, and then you go to the fifth floor yeah. immediately. But then there's wrote four, floor two, floor three, and four floors yeah. that you skipped. Mm -hmm. And so you jump to five and you think, wow, I've made it. Mm -hmm. But you don't do the work in two, three, and four. And then all of a sudden, two, three, and four start folding in on themselves. And then you're up at five and then you collapse down. Mm -hmm. And so that is essentially what happened as, how, as best as I could describe it. That when I called to God and said, God, use this. If I'm doing something wrong, like show me. And I was holding onto the cross and I like... I popped at level five and then all of a sudden I was forced back down to level four and three and then two and two is terrifying. Mm. And it was basically like I, my consciousness was flipped back on myself mm. and I saw myself for who I really was. Mm. And so before I was like, my consciousness was just getting up and out. Mm. I was not facing myself mm. and like facing my fears, my insecurities, my um, conflict in life, the, the people I had hurt, um, just, I mean, all the human stuff and then all the human suffering, because I believe we're all connected. And so when you see yourself, you see a microcosm of humanity. And then you, I started seeing like just really terrifying stuff. And I'm like, this is totally unlike the spirituality I thought I wanted were, which was state based. Mm -hmm. But then I realized, you know what? I think that, that God's trying to communicate something to me that that's that spirituality is like dealing with yourself mm -hmm. and not trying to escape 
through a spiritual bypass to some like great mm-hmm. meditation state. Mm-hmm. And so when that happened, it scared me because it was it was such a different quality. And immediately after I asked specifically, mm-hmm. like if I'm on the wrong path, show me. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like immediately after that that happened. So I'm like, that was scary. Uh-huh. And then I then I did it again the next day and it happened again. I'm like, okay, I'm like, what happened? Like, did something permanently change mm-hmm. in my ability to just, because I wanted to go to that, mm-hmm. that pleasant state because it was incredibly pleasant. Yeah. But I realized that that just simply wasn't the point. Mm-hmm. The point is not to be in a state, but to actually. And so then you, and then you stop marijuana after that point? Or... No, I, I wish I would have learned uh, that quickly. Uh, um, so anyways, I, I, I kept on using, I would use a little more to try to get out of the state. Then I realized maybe if I go out in the park and like nature and try it, maybe not in my own house. Um, but then I would be presented with stuff. Like I would, I would meditate and then I would see something about myself that I could actually change. And so I'm, I would change that or like make amends with somebody. It was almost like I'd be presented with the person's face. I would like see an image of a person. I'm like, oh yeah, I should go make amends. And so it was basically like, I would still use the marijuana, but it got less and less completely scary um, facing myself. And then I'm like, maybe I'm making some progress here. Maybe this is still like a good idea. So I kept on smoking and then if, you know, then apparently I got to level three, I guess you'd say. And then a whole host of new things were presented to me. I'm like, oh, like this, I thought I got rid of all my need. I thought I can go back to the state. Yeah. Like it was impossible for me to get back to the state. But then all of a sudden one day, um, I was meditating and smoking a lot. And then something truly like broke. And like just I popped out and it was basically like holding onto the cross and then all of a sudden my body started shaking like violently um and like my my head started shaking and like it felt like I was like my consciousness my body were like expanding out like Mm -hmm. something had literally something broke Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden like I had a vision um that I was like being popped out of my body and then like and then coming back in and then then my body and my whole being were like being lifted up mm-hmm. and through some kind of film of something but that was like a good thing and like the thing i remember thinking about was like something called the diamond body in buddhism where like that's the point is like you you try to refine your spirit and bring your spirit to yourself and then back out and then back to yourself and yeah and cycle it and then as carl jung would say it's like the alchemy of of the spirit um and that's the only way i could describe what was happening it was like it was first my spirit went out and then my spirit and my body felt like it was going out. And then all of a sudden I like looked around and then I heard like a voice saying, you were born again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that was the first voice I ever heard. I'm like, Oh, that scared me to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I still had the cross with me. So I wasn't completely scared because I had at least that to hold on to in my mind. Mm-hmm. I said, if all else fails, I'll at least hold on to this. Mm-hmm. And that turned out to be the key for me to like, handle a couple of more of these sessions because mm-hmm. so that happened and then it, it got weirder and stranger and I thought I was making progress um but I could have very well not been making progress I mean the fact that it, it peaked to one day I was I was meditating for about 15 hours and then I couldn't sleep and so I got up and started meditating again um and I was smoking a lot and then all of a sudden there was as what it was called, it was called a psychotic break. It basically, 
like reality kind of dropped away and then I saw like a black background and like a digital overlay of the edge of our existence and I like looked around um, and I'm like what is going on I'm like losing it um, and then all of a sudden like I I recomposed and like popped out and I saw like what looked like to be heaven and I'm like what is going on I was like so scared but so intrigued and then all of a sudden, like popped back down and I got stuck in like this state that felt like hell. Mm -hmm. And what it was, was basically like my, my two core fears. And it was like my mind was shifting back and forth between those two fears and like building a storyline that incorporates those two fears. And that was my reality. Mm -hmm. And so it was like my mind was taking like my two worst fears and making it reality. And I got really scared. I'm like, I think I just killed myself. Mm. I literally thought I had died. Mm. And I'm, but I still had the cross. And so I like grabbed onto the cross and like held onto it. And then I was, then I popped out. Mm. And then I had like a clear conscience. Mm. And I looked around. And I'm like, I think I'm back to like that state. Yeah. You know, this, <laughs> the, the yeah. state that I was in from the very beginning. I'm like, but what was that? It's like, <laughs> what happened up and through like all these visions and all these, um, you know, very weird things. Um, and, you know, it was a very, uh, very terrifying experience. Mm. But the, the problem was, is that that wasn't the end. Like what happened was I realized that something profoundly different was something profoundly had changed in me, mm. like, like qualitatively something was different mm. and I didn't feel like something would, went wrong. It just felt like something was different. Mm. My body was buzzing. Like my whole body was like, just buzzing as all what the best way I can describe it. And it was like, it was like a, a wave from my foot to my head to my foot to my head. And I just looked around and I'm like, I feel like I've taken on like several spirits mm. is what I, it was literally what, what I felt like. And then all of a sudden I saw like a spirit come out of my body. Mm. And again, I thought maybe I'm just hallucinating. Like, this is just so weird. So I put up the cross and then like the spirit stopped I'm like, oh my goodness, whatever's going on is is re reacting to this cross. Mm. And I'm just like, I'm just going to lay down and hold this cross on me and just like wait for this high to stop, mm. you know. Mm. Then all of a sudden I was thrust up um, against my will, and like went to the window. Like basically it was like something was grabbing me and like making me look out the window. Mm. I looked out the window and I saw my spiritual elder who I had committed myself to in 2009. Mm. Um, and he lives in Arizona. His name is Elder Ephraim. And I saw him out front and I'm like, oh, thank God. Okay, fine. He's going to like help me out of this mess. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what happened to myself. I think I broke myself. Mm -hmm. So I didn't think about anything. I ran out to go greet him. Mm -hmm. Left my keys, my wallet, my phone, everything in my apartment. I never leave anything in my apartment. I ran out, gave him the biggest hug. And then I realized it wasn't him. Mm -hmm. It was someone who looked exactly like him, and I realized that I had lost something. Like some something had tripped where I was not myself anymore, um, and it was. But I didn't. I was crying. I was hysterical, and I was basically hugging a homeless guy that was just sitting across the street, and he's like, "Don't worry, it can't get any worse than this." And I'm like, and like his, then he started saying like really profound things to me. I'm like, what is going on? Like, maybe he is my elder in like, uh -huh. in in like some other form, and and then, 
and then basically I'm like, come back to my apartment. Let's just talk this through. Like, I need you to tell me what's going on because I'm terrified. I think I broke my brain and I'm terrified of this. And so I tried to invite him back in and I realized I didn't have my keys mm. or my wallet or my phone. And so I couldn't get back into my apartment. Mm. Um, and then that turned out to be like the beginning mm. of about a 14 or 15 hour psychotic episode, mm. um, which was the most terrifying yet most illuminating. Mm. It's really hard to ex explain what happened that day, but I began to think I was homeless because I didn't have my keys. Mm -hmm. I didn't have my wallet or my phone. So I did couldn't I didn't know anybody's phone number by heart. Um, I literally was just hanging out with this homeless guy. I had nothing. I had no orientation in my life. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden I just started forgetting things about my life, like that I had money. Mm -hmm. um, I thought maybe that maybe popping out like I did. I, I don't know. It was just such a strange thing. And I started telling people I was homeless and mm. just led me on a, a wild day of just mm. hallucinations and lessons being taught to me. And, mm. um, and it's just, so I want to, I want to interject a little bit because so you, you've just used words like psychotic break yeah. and, 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 um, manic, uh, manic, homeless, all these different yeah. things. And so for mo most pro people would probably describe what you experience as that. Yep. But then there's a whole bunch of other people who have gone through similar things. Uh, and they're not manic. I mean, there is, there is, there is an element of like, yeah, you might be doing damage to yourself. Uh, and, um, but it, to, to say it that it, within our framework of society, that's the only way that we can explain that. Correct. But there's, it, it, it led you to where you are now. And now yeah. talking to you, it feels like I don't feel yep. like a, a, a off. I don't feel like you're off. You're yep. very clear. You're, you're, you're very centered. Like, uh, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting. Well, that, that's the thing is that I, I didn't, I, I thought the same thing. I thought, well, I broke something and then it, it led up to me being 5150 um, in SF general. Uh, My mm -hmm. friend came over and I, I was talking absolute nonsense. I was screaming, I'm the son of God. I'm the hope of all Christians. Mm -hmm. um, and he was telling me this. I don't remember much of like the end of my mm. um episode but apparently he said i wanted that i was saying i wanted to kill myself and i don't remember saying that because i don't remember having suicidal thoughts or honestly don't remember anything but one of the weirdest things was that his reality was different than mine like i was asking him like do i look fine he's like yeah you look fine but i was literally convulsing and shaking and then like five minutes later he's like oh my god you're convulsing and shaking and by that time i had stopped i'm like no i'm not mm. And so that was one of the most terrifying things when I realized that my reality was not the same as everybody else's reality at that point. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, to your point about the psychotic terminology, like there's been, there's so much psychosis in spiritual, mm. in spiritual texts. Mm -hmm. Like that's what it is. It's seeing something that someone else doesn't mm -hmm. see yeah. and experiencing reality that, that someone else doesn't re experience. Mm -hmm. But I, I agree with you that I was reading some Stanislaus Grof books, which is, are very insightful about, um, just, it's just a spiritual emergency is what, how he would say yeah, it. He, spiritual crisis, he, yeah, spiritual yeah, crisis yeah. or spiritual emergency that needs someone with a spiritual bent. Because when I was mm -hmm. put, when I was 51, 50 and put in the hospital, mm -hmm. it wasn't until I was in the hospital that I thought I may be crazy. Mm -hmm. Because when you're hanging out with other crazy people mm -hmm. and you're treated like a crazy person mm -hmm. and you're not trusted with shoelaces or your cell phone or any of your personal property, yeah. and you can only call one person, you're not allowed to call anybody else. And the thinking the, mind starts to the label. thinking mind yeah. thought I, I started thinking I was crazy. Yeah. And I immediately knew 
this is what's wrong with society right here is is the mental health system that takes spiritual crisis that maybe just take a crisis i mean all in all essentially all, a lot of mental illness is uh the people with spiritual experiences who yeah. have been denied that outlet of saying that it's a spiritual thing. Yeah. Or, then, or someone just saying, yes, I understand what you're saying. Uh-huh. You know, the, and the thing uh-huh. was yeah. is, yeah, just like, yeah. see, it I wasn't until I, I got out and I went to see my spiritual father and I said, explain the situation. He's like, yeah, that's, that's a spiritual experience you had. And, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm not crazy. Yeah. Like, but the thing is, is that it's, I, I don't, I, it's just this terrifying thing to be stuck in there. And then, you know, you can't explain fully what happened because they'll keep you longer. Yeah. So if I were to truly explain yeah. what had happened, because the spiritual experiences were still happening at the hospital. Yeah. Like I would have a vivid dream and then wake up. Like there was one dream I remember so vividly at the hospital um, where I was, where I was laying in a, in a gurney, like a bunch of doctors around me and they were like trying to talk to me. And then I, all of a sudden I just said love and then I woke up to piercing screaming from down the hall some girl like was just screaming out of a top of her lungs and for some reason I knew that that dream had like it just felt like that dream had affected her like we were dreaming together or something and I I don't know if that makes any sense but yeah but what what happened was um, that was the only scream the entire like five days out of the hospital. Like you'd think in a mental institution, people would be screaming, and but that was the only scream that I'd ever heard mm. was with that. And so I was definitely not going to tell the doctor that I'm that that's happening because they'll give you more medication because they can literally strap you down and force medication mm. into your butt or whatever mm-hmm. because they're by law they could do that. And yeah. so it's just a terrifying thing thinking. I've got to pretend I'm not crazy <laughs> in order to get out of here. Exactly, because yeah. they wanted to give me my antipsychotics. They wanted to give me anti-schizophrenic. And I'm like, dude, it's just a mental break from too much marijuana and uh, too much meditation. Uh, like, uh, this is, this will pass. Mm. But obviously, I didn't do that. So I, but, but as soon as I got to the hospital, I realized, you know, I do need a break. Mm-hmm. And so I actually turned the hospital into a very productive <laughs> break and I, and that was that kept my sanity because otherwise my thinking mind like you said would have gone too crazy mm-hmm. i realized how addicted to my phone i was because mm-hmm. that's the thing that started driving me real crazy was the fact that i couldn't check my phone i knew i had work messages mm-hmm. i knew i had text messages from concerned family mm-hmm. and they would not let me have my cell phone mm-hmm. and so can you imagine a silicon valley guy mm-hmm. you know who needs their cell phone if the website crashes mm-hmm. and there's alerts there oh. and i'm the only one that could fix it yeah. I mean, so these are terrifying things. Yeah. And so it's the incarceration mm. that was driving me nuts yeah. um, or could have. Yeah. But luckily there was some smarts in me that said, just sit back, relax. And honestly, I heard I heard someone say, I got it. Mm. And mm. nothing happened that week. It was literally a week rest. of rest. <laughs> and no, no, nothing happened with the website. Oh. Like all my friends, one of my friends told all my friends and my family yeah. and they were all fine. Oh. And I'm like, I'm just going to, Use this, but I met people at the hospital mm-hmm. that had the exact same psychotic break I had, yeah. word for word, mm-hmm. the exact same break. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same one of the guys that I became really good friends with. Funny, funny enough, his name is Jesus, mm-hmm. um, but he was yelling the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm the son of God, the hope of all Christians, mm-hmm. and he was 5150. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, how often do spiritual 
emergencies end up in the hospital. So I've thought about this a lot. In India, when people have schizophrenia, when they have other people telling them things, what to do, uh, uh, it's considered a normal thing. Uh, mm. And it's just like they give the, everybody in the society gives the voice uh, 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 significance. They say, this is, this is real. This is happening to you. There are other voices. And just listen to them. They, they might be the voice of God. They might yeah. be the voice of other things. Interesting. And then you go look at what shaman, traditionally shamanistic societies, the people with these type of things that hear the voices that other people don't, those become the elders of the of the, the so they're respected, they're not respected, put yeah, away exactly. Yeah. So these are gifts, yeah. uh, but they're not recognized as gifts. Gifts because we have an illusion that we're separate selves. That uh, that I think, therefore, I am. Yeah. Uh, and and you know things like what you're explaining of of transference of dreams of of communication without words of yeah. of, of all these these things aren't sci- there is no evidence that science has found for these things yeah. so they therefore do not exist exactly um, yeah so it's 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 that's fascinating yeah and I, I've realized that a lot of these exactly a lot of these spiritual or these mental illnesses um, I mean so the guy that I so the guy I'm going to run for mayor mm. did we talk about this on we the did. podcast yeah, okay yeah. so he's the guy that I thought was my elder. And so that's what was weird about this whole thing was I think literally I think my elder was there in spirit and wanted me to get introduced to this guy because like that it seems like honestly it seems like that was the whole purpose because had I not been incarcerated in a mental institution had I not been homeless and hung out with the homeless all day Mm -hmm. that day I was out in the streets I would have no heart for the homeless Mm -hmm. no heart for the mentally ill I would be doing more of the same this Mm -hmm. selfish seeking of you know um, selfish seeking of a spiritual space mm-hmm. and so literally my whole life changed around because of the guy i thought was my elder who i'm trying to run for mayor now yeah. and it was it's it's just a weird thing so i i look back and i'm like it's psychotic it's manic yeah. but it has like positive real world impact because i started a nonprofit yeah. that i had a vision mm-hmm. in the hospital mm-hmm. i had the name it was the foundation for a better society mm-hmm. was the name of the foundation and jesus had he when I told him about this he's like you will not believe what I clipped from the from the newspaper this morning mm-hmm. and he gave me a piece of paper and it said the Fort Scott Presidio property for sale looking for a foundation that is like basically it was like exactly the vision that I had of what a nonprofit I needed to do so it was basically myself hearing about the foundation that I need to start mm-hmm. and then Jesus saying, oh, I wasn't going to share this with you, but here is this article I clipped because I wanted it for myself. Mm. Um, and I'm like, wait a second. It's almost like we've connected because of our psychotic break mm. and that like we're sharing thoughts mm-hmm. is how I would describe it. Mm. And, you know, you've, if you look at creativity in and of itself, it's hard to say where ideas come from. Mm-hmm. Like even your yeah. own ideas, quote yeah. unquote, yeah. I don't even believe like it's, I've become, I've come to believe that thoughts are pretty meaningless, but also mostly from the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you hang out with successful people, mm-hmm. you are like more likely to be successful. If you hang out with the homeless because you're homeless, you're unlikely to be able to lift yourself out of that because that's all you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, so I was actually felt like I was getting new perspectives when I was in the hospital, mm-hmm. almost like they were being downloaded to my head because I was hanging out with people that I would never have hung out with my entire life. Mm-hmm. And so my perspective mm. and everything changed. Mm. Literally everything about my personality changed. And that, so that brings up a really interesting thing that I've seen in Silicon Valley itself is that we have, I, so I grew up here, 
I've seen San Francisco go from a city of middle class, uh, uh, a lot of middle class people owning homes, uh, uh, artists, uh, yep. creative people, uh, and now it's becoming more and more every day. Tech founders, tech workers, people in tech workers, and that's 90%. But then you still have this 5 to 10% of people who are homeless, who have mental illness, yep. who are in no way successful according to what society says. Um, and the I've heard it from a lot of founders in, in, in technology, like, let's just, like, we've got to figure out this homeless problem, and then figuring out is get away, yeah. move them away. Yeah. But that's the last link that this place has to the outside world. Yeah. It's the last link, like you're saying, to this kind of, any sort of escape from this bubble. But anyway, so the psychotic break and the whole episode was, it felt like, after looking back, it felt like basically like a, um, an obstacle course for me to like reset my mind. Mm -hmm. And the whole time it felt meaningful. Mm -hmm. There were synchronistic events. Mm -hmm. um, I met the people I needed to meet. I was getting visions of like, go see this guy by the pier. Mm -hmm. like, literally like stuff that is just so absurd. Mm -hmm. um, and I was so, like I wrote down everything. I like, tried to take notes and tried to get like evidence of things that happened because my rational mind was like trying to make sense of this mm -hmm. because if you have a psychotic break or if you have any kind of spiritual experience that you're not prepared for, mm -hmm. um, it's like, especially the Western mind just wants to, okay, make sure I'm not crazy. Mm -hmm. Let me try to document this. So I have some documents stuff, but then I realize, and, I, and my spiritual father at the monastery is like, throw it all away. Uh, you know, just live day by day. Uh, um, you know, you'll remember the stuff that's important yeah. to you. Mm -hmm. You'll forget the stuff that's not. Um, and, and I did that, and that was, literally, it wasn't until I had a, a relapse of my um, psychosis, which was two weeks after I left Fremont Hospital. Mm -hmm. I was in L.A. Mm -hmm. just recently, probably five days ago, mm -hmm. with my friend Adam. And um, part of my psychosis, at the very peak of my psychosis, was this conspiracy theory I had in my mind that Donald Trump and or that Vladimir Putin had control of the Internet, mm -hmm. and, and he had all kinds of dirt on Donald Trump. Mm. And that's the reason that he was put in because, you know, the blackmail on, mm. on like the web history or whatever. But I, for some reason that carried a lot of fear. Mm. Um, and so I was down in LA retelling the story and I brought that up and all of a sudden I felt that just mm. dread and fear and my, yeah, and it was a flashback mm. from my psychosis and I'm like, Oh my, and it scared me to death. Mm. But then I realized after about a minute or two, Oh, I don't have to worry about that. So I like backed out of it. Mm -hmm. And it was literally like I turned around and walked back yeah. and I was back to normal. I think that's a really important point you bring up because most people, especially once they get, especially men, uh, uh, once we start a spiritual path, well, we kind of get on this train of like, got to do this next thing, yeah. got to go down that next, got to find, find out where that tunnel leads and everything mm -hmm. like that. Uh, and it's very, very important to realize that we have control over the process yep. that we can, we, if we don't want to go into that cave, if we're not ready for that cave, yep. we can totally come back. Yep. And that, and there's no shame in it. And there is a gentle path. And the gentle path is totally, like, in some ways, um, uh, more powerful than the, yep. than, the, than, the, than the, like, let's just fucking do it. Yeah, no, that's uh, what got me yeah. in the hospital. Yeah. To, and, and that I was not well mm -hmm. because my hallucinations turned into Donald Trump and, mm -hmm. and Vladimir Putin. So it, my own mind junk. So the first part of my my day of psychosis was meaningful stuff, mm -hmm. um, but then it got weird, and I knew it was not. Mm -hmm. I knew it was my own junk mm -hmm. because my own conspiracy theories, like 
you know, just stuff I saw on Rachel Maddow, you know, just weird stuff started popping in. And I'm like, okay, this is not, this is not from God or anything. This is just my own junk getting thrown in there. Um, but anyway, so I had that relapse and I, I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I'm not well, I'm not, I'm not fully well, or at least I'm not fully able to like comprehend what's going on. And so, um, I'm like, I, I, I don't know what to do. So I went back that evening and went to sleep woke up the next morning with an urge to go see my elder in Arizona. It was almost like I had to go. Um, and as I was driving out there, like it was my elder, it was so, it was so strange. It was like my elder was communicating things to me like lessons. Okay, this is why this happened. This is why this happened. And so all of a sudden, by the time I arrived at the monastery, um, I had made sense of everything that happened. And it was, it was basically the elder... The elder, when I committed myself to him in 2009, had been helping guide my life all the way through to today. Um, and it was such a strange, like, clear, clear path. I mean, I, it's funny because you, when you look back, you can say, oh, man, that happened and that, okay, well, that, oh, mm-hmm. well, that makes sense. And if I hadn't done one of those things. If I hadn't done one of those. Yeah. And so I look back and I'm like, this makes perfect sense because I literally... Um, when you commit yourself in a disciple elder relationship in the Orthodox oh. Church, it's it's for life. Oh, like that's cool. that's a thing that is a very not a very well known tradition, yeah. but you can it's a spiritual father, a spiritual elder, um, kind of relationship. And um, and I had expressed to the, the the my elder that I wanted to be a monk eventually, um, and, but he he didn't want me to. Mm. He wanted me to be here mm. um, to do this nonprofit. Mm. And to run this homeless guy for mayor, mm-hmm. and like honestly, this is this is what was communicated to me that I'm supposed to. And this shirt was civil disobedience, uh-huh. and like just literally, things started clicking and synchronicity. And I we just had some synchronistic moments right before this mm-hmm. this thing where I'm like, I, I'll do this podcast for free yoga because yeah. somebody told me yesterday I need to do yoga, and the, the reason was the day before someone said I need to get grounded. Uh-huh. And the day before that, mm-hmm. so it's literally like you came to the right place because I, I just I've 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 been I've been uh, uh, I've had similar experiences too, uh, a very very different but yeah. but, but uh, similar uh, points, uh, and I learned how to be grounded. Um, yeah, and, and that's my main that's the main thing that helped. Yeah, no, that's the thing I need yeah. to be grounded, and that's that's one of the things that was clearly communicated to me at the monastery because when I got there, the elder put me to work in the um, in the gardens or in the mm-hmm. picking. Um, picking fruit off trees. Like, mm-hmm. so he didn't even talk to me, mm-hmm. you know, right away. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just like, so just well, it's funny because I arrived a half hour late to the monastery uh-huh. and then I walked up and he was walking out. Uh-huh. So that was the first synchronistic moment. I'm like, thank God it was you that did this. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm not that crazy uh-huh. because it was you that was there in spirit and the homeless guy you wanted us to meet because that would start my new path. And as soon as you showed up to the monastery, he walks out. He walks out. Yeah. So he was, he, I was a half hour late. I was panicked that I was going to be, because I was supposed to be there at 5, and I arrived at 5.30, and he walked out at 5.30, exactly the same time. And and I asked the other monks, I'm like, does he ever come out at 5.30? He's like, no. He's out at 11.30 in the morning, and usually in the cell the rest of the the time. I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense. And it wasn't until two days later at the monastery where I saw him again, where it made perfect sense. Like, I got, like, a vision, and I was in his presence, and... Because he doesn't, so this is the weird thing. He doesn't speak. Mm-hmm. Um, he he just doesn't speak. Mm-hmm. But when you're at the monastery, 
and they're very quiet, calm, your thoughts fade away, like impressions will come to you, like full thought impressions. Mm -hmm. And there was two full thought impressions that I knew were from him. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, that because it unlocked. So the last thing he said unlocked even more. Mm -hmm. Like even the like the point of what I'm supposed to do with my life, which is live for other people. Mm -hmm. Um and to start by giving hope to the hopeless. Mm -hmm. And the hopeless the people that have no hope in San Francisco are the homeless yeah. um, and the mentally well, ill. And also actually and a fair amount of people in Silicon Valley who, who don't know that they're, they're stuck in a, a rat race of, of, yeah. of, of empty, meaningless. Activity. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And that's the thing with the, I'm, I'm super excited because I, I do, I've, when I've shared my story and I've been sharing my mental health story widely, okay. um, like I never post on Facebook, let alone never post publicly. Mm -hmm. But my elder was like, you got sure. you got to do it because yeah. what you'll do is you'll open up you know you potentially change the world by doing this mm. um, and that's very clearly um, and, and one of the the, the the impressions I got at the monastery one of the things that came to me is like the harvest is plentiful plentiful but the workers are few and that's a saying from Jesus mm. you know saying that there's a lot of people mm. that want out mm. of the junk that they're in mm. but there's not enough trained spiritual mm. leaders. Mm. To bring them out oh. and I'm not saying I'm a spiritual leader by any means yeah. but just saying my story can be someone can look at this and say oh I and it's clear so many people use the word mental illness without any sort of understanding of what it means yeah and I think it's really important that people start looking at it and yeah and, 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 and my friend Max is writing a, a thesis for my nonprofit where he says like what is mental health uh -huh. you know, what yeah. is like the baseline what what should be the baseline uh -huh. and that's one of the things that may be the purpose of my foundation for a better society because I, I was given the impression at the hospital like start this nonprofit and it was given the name so I started it the minute I got out of the monastery but I literally had no idea what it was what's supposed to do mm. I'm supposed to go buy the property at the Fort Scott mm. Presidio I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to raise 200 million dollars uh -huh. to do it uh -huh. and I have no idea how I'm gonna get the 200 million dollars. Mm. Um, I don't even know exactly what the idea is, uh, is firmly going to be, yeah. but it's, I'm, I'm landing on mental health uh -huh. as the issue, but it's all encompassing because mental health is the reason a lot of people are homeless. Mm. Um, and mental health is a reason a lot of people aren't spiritually open because when they open spiritually, they're labeled crazy mm. and then put in the hospital. Yeah. And so the only, the only reason I was able to help the people in the hospital mm. And I, I met everybody in the, in the hospital in Fremont, and I was talking with everybody. And I was very open with my experience, and then people opened up to me, and and it was a powerful experience because they're like, "You don't look crazy," mm. and just just because they like most of them were homeless or drug addicted, and they're considered by society crazy. Mm. And so when they saw someone in society that's not supposed to be crazy, mm. it was a help to them. Mm. And so it was like that bridging of the gap. And then I look at the, the parables of Jesus saying, like, go serve the homeless, go talk to the poor, mm -hmm. go visit the people that are in prison. Mm -hmm. But it's not necessarily for their benefit. Oh. It's for ours, oh. you know, to get, because we, ideas rub off on one another. Like, literally, I would never have had the idea to run oh. a homeless guy for mayor had, it, had I not <laughs> actually, like, been helped by the homeless guy oh. through my mental breakdown. Yeah. Oh. Um, and I mean, Memphis was, is just, was a fountain of wisdom oh. that I needed at the right time. Oh. Um, and in his, and he's, and he's convincing me, like I, I was humoring him for a bit, like, okay, sure. We'll go put you as a writing candidate. Cause oh. we can't, you know, you can't 
have him as a listed candidate yeah. is just too late. But but then all of a sudden I realized he is actually going to win. Mm. Like that feeling actually came to me that he is actually going to win because especially when I started seeing him campaigning mm. uh, and talking the issues, yeah. I'm like, man, he. Uh, if you would have seen him a month ago, you would have been like, there's no way this guy mm. has any hope mm. um, because he was... You had a real long hair, a real gross beard. Mm. He smelled disgusting. And I, I had him stay with me for a little while. He, I cleaned him up. I gave him a haircut. Or I didn't give him a haircut, but I got him a haircut. Um, he took a shower. He's now staying at the Holiday Inn mm. just for a little while longer. Um, just, But that's just like a simple thing that I did to repay him for him helping me get through my mental oh. break. Like literally, I go out and hang out with him on the street. Oh. Um, every day after I got back, just because he like helped me ground, oh. like literally, he, we were on the ground yeah. out in front of my apartment yeah. building, but it was out of yeah. it was with another human being, yeah. Um, yeah. and so he helped me, and so my, my I paid it forward, and then he st- then he started talking about wanting to be mayor, yeah. and I just said I just joked with him like sure let's do you, get you mayor, and then we went today to like, get the paperwork. Wow. So you know who knows he may be the first homeless mayor. That is an excellent way to end. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. We've probably gone on for too long. No, no, that was that was amazing. But I was like, that is perfect. <laughs>